Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Kidnapping of four U.S. citizens in Matamorosa, Mexico. Wait to see what the kidnappers want if there's a demand for ransom. The U.S.-China policy has entirely deviated from the rational and sound track. Time for Joe Biden to take a firm stand against Chinese communists. The president's about to release his budget. A slim chance of actually getting passed. Come on, man! Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in, Tom, Benny, and Clark, and you. Got a good program lined up for you, lots to talk about. We've got a special guest coming on with us in a little bit who's uh, got a really interesting article talking about the fact that America's $100 billion climate fraud uh, is producing zero results. Stephen Moore will be joining us in a little bit on the phone. Uh, The News and Observer is reporting Governor Jim Hunt his daughter announced that she will be running for lieutenant governor. Uh, this is probably the earliest anybody has ever announced their intentions for running for lieutenant governor. I mean, we're talking about 2024. Um, she will have to file in December, but she's putting it out there. Um, I, you know, she she's saying that we need we can do better than Mark Robinson. Have we ever had a lieutenant governor that has done more? for uh, our state than Mark Robinson? I, I, I'd argue you've ever had a lieutenant governor that you actually knew their name. Yeah. I mean, uh, really. we, we remember Dan Forrest because he ran for the governor, but uh, at, uh, for the governor's ship of mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina, but beyond that, no. So, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's throwing her hat in the ring, and she'll be running for lieutenant governor. I don't think she has to be worried about running against Mark Robinson. Now, is she married? Is she using her... I have no clue. Okay. Rachel Hunt is okay, what so she her goes by. Hunt. Yeah. She, at least politically, anyway. Yeah, she's uh, married to her uh, political name. Republican or Democrat. I'm just not into these these family dynasties in, uh, yeah. you know, in politics. I mean, what, what uniquely qualifies her for to be lieutenant governor? I mean, I don't know what she does. I think she's an attorney, I think. But uh, She's also a state senator right now from okay. the uh, Charlotte area. She mm-hmm. represents Pineville, Ballantyne, and Matthews, south of Charlotte, which is a big yeah. money area. Yeah, it seems like now, now that you say that, it seems like I remember uh, an article a couple of years ago, a few years ago, where she spent a boatload of money on her campaign, like personal funds. And I'm like, what? goes to show you that... Uh, you know, for the, the the small salary that's in the General Assembly, uh, a lot of kickback. A lot, a lot. Of, that's interesting. You spend <laughs> so much money. Yeah. Is it the power? Is it the kickback? Uh, are they planning to recapture all that loot? We'll see. Uh, interesting story too. Uh, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan. I mentioned this yesterday. He has said he will not run in the Republican primary. Now it came out that he's maybe going to run as a third party candidate. Larry who? <laughs> I mean, bingo. I mean, if you're not from Maryland, you probably don't know who Larry Hogan is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he was the former Maryland governor, and um, you know, he he said the reason why he was not going to run in the Republican primary is because he felt like he would split the field and that would help Donald Trump. Which we have both said that on the air that a, a large field probably will help Donald Trump. Although I don't think Larry Hogan would be a blip on the radar. 
quite frankly, if Larry Hogan ran as a third-party candidate, I don't know that he would uh, hurt Donald Trump more than he would hurt uh, Joe Biden, assuming Joe runs. Yeah, you know, it's not like, uh, I mean, what's the third party going to be? I mean, is it going to be libertarian? You know, I don't uh, see him as a libertarian. Yeah, when, Green Party? When Gary Johnson ran in 2016 uh, during the Trump-Clinton uh, election, you know, Gary Johnson was a pretty well-known guy, mm-hmm. pretty pretty well-known in a lot of circles. And he, I mean, he probably got more votes than any third-party candidate outside of Ross Perot, probably ever. But uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, if, I don't know if Larry Hogan would move the needle in a primary or as a third-party candidate. Think so. Really don't, don't think so. He might get some votes out of Maryland, but that'd be about it. Uh, speaking of third-party, the Daily Caller's got an article out. Liberal think tank Third Way is raising concerns that a third-party organization could be an issue for Joe Biden in the 2024 election by boosting a GOP nominee, according to Politico. The No Labels, a centrist political organization, is proposing a bipartisan third-party ticket that could peel away Democrat voters in 2024, making it making Donald Trump have a better shot at it. Let's put it that way. Um, this is, again, in Politico, written by Third Way, a left, uh, left-of-center think tank. The so-called unity ticket will attempt to provide a less divisive candidate as no labels fears that both the Republican and the Democrat nominees will be unacceptable. Rather than producing a third-party ticket that would defy the overwhelming odds and win, no labels is on track to field a spoiler who would re-elect Trump or a Trump-like Republican. The third way memo reads, no labels is arguing this is a unique historical moment that gives their unity ticket a real shot at winning the White House. But that's an illusion. The data and historic evidence are clear. No third-party candidate would come close to winning. I mean, it's got to happen sometime. I mean, if if the world is still around, if the United States is still around for another 200 years, it's got to happen sometime. But I would tend to agree it's probably not this time. No labels believes their moderate candidate has an opportunity to win. You know, the problem is a moderate, a middle-of-the-road candidate is is doesn't take a stand on anything. I mean, you know, a, a Mitt Romney considers himself middle of the road. A Joe Manchin considers himself middle of the road. In other words, he blows whichever way the political winds direct him. Well, you know, it's, it's, everything's so extreme now on both sides, uh, particularly on the progressive left. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could be moderate on anything. I mean, there's yeah. some key issues that uh, that's affecting the country that that really both sides should meet in the middle on, like. Reforming Social Security and entitlements, uh, dealing with the national debt, but they're not. No. I mean, it's just no. um, they're just ignoring it. They them. throw meat at their, their their red meat at their bases, and uh, they never get anything done. Yeah, but it's interesting that even liberals want to sound more conservative when they're running, but as <laughs> yeah. soon as they get in there, they go back to their liberal ways. And now I agree with you. There's the, but how do, how do you? Uh, I mean, if, if and again, I understand this is a. Um, partisan issue but take the issue of abortion i, I mean it, it is a highly partisan issue how can how can you be neutral on that yeah mm-hmm. it, it, it'd be pretty hard well the problem is it takes so much crazy money to run um i, I don't see how a third party candidate can raise the money uh, well unless you got extremely deep pockets and uh mm-hmm. i i don't know who these groups are these this third way and and no labels I've never heard of them before, so uh, maybe I'm just missing something. I've heard of no labels. Uh, no, no, no labels been some, 
you know, pretty pretty boisterous on issues like the national debt and entitlement reform and that type of thing. But, um, in fact, uh, I know David Walker in the past had done some work, I think, with No, no Labels. labels. Mm-hmm. Okay. No Labels is targeting blue states and believes their candidate could win Connecticut, Washington, Minnesota, Delaware, the president's home state, according to the memo. Third-party voters from 2016 election went on for Joe Biden in 2020, but now have a more moderate candidate to vote in 2024, the memo states. You know, if if Joe is the candidate and you run someone who is middle to left, obviously that's going to take away from Joe. As you have said many times, if if you split the general election three different ways and you have someone middle to left and it hurts Joe, does that open the door? Well, this is what Politico is saying. Yeah, maybe it does open the door for Donald Trump. Yeah, I think he'd probably take more votes from Joe. Uh, with a pretty far left candidate, if some far left candidate came out and just said, you know, you know, Joe's not doing enough on this, on that, and and ran, I think that would you could you could peel some votes from from Joe on that. But I, the more middle you are, I mean, the the powers of the Democrat Party now are not middle, not anywhere close no, to the middle. No. So I just don't think um, I don't think you'd lose. That, and you got to give credit to Democrats. I mean, they they vote together. I mean, they generally no, do. No. Anyway, um, by the way, down in Charlotte, the Carolina Journal is reporting at a Charlotte City Council meeting held at the end of February, there was a vote. I mean, basically, they were going to pass in the city of Charlotte, they were just going to pass a, a general budget, which included ammunition for police officers. There's 11 members of the city council. It was uh, The uh, mayor pro tem... And one of the council members said, I want to pull this ammunition for police officers out of the general budget, and I want to vote on that as a standalone issue. Um, they did. They did stand. It was a standalone issue vote. Eleven council members, initially only four voted for the ammunition. One particular council man, councilman, uh, Tariq Bukhari, looked around the room and said, wait a minute, what are you all doing? Uh, What are you doing here? And started to shine a light on the issue. But uh, he, he points out, I'm just sort of paraphrasing here, what in the world is going on that you would have a city like Charlotte? Now, I realize Charlotte, I mean, you look at the people of the mayor, you look at how the direction that Charlotte's going. Yes, I, I understand Pat McCory was was the mayor there at one time, but Generally speaking, Charlotte, like most major cities, is going hard to the left. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but you would think, uh, I mean, of all this, compared to Detroit, compared to Chicago, to D.C., to Baltimore, and others, you would think of Charlotte as a little bit more sensible than some of these other cities. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> and this one council person that brought it up said, "What are we doing here?" This uh, uh, Bakari, uh, you know, he just says. The very fact that we had to vote on this, and we had to, and I, I, he had to rally the votes, so it ended up passing. Out of eleven council people, only six voted for goodness. Yes, mm-hmm. ammunition for police officers. So, so I guess the others didn't vote for it, just so they didn't have their name on record as voting for it. Is that it? Or? Some actually voted against it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, just a little scary. And they would be the first calling the police Bingo. saying, hey, we've got somebody outside in our yard or in our Bingo. street. Bingo. Bingo. Come help, help me. Help. Come help me. 
Hey, we're going to take an early time out. Lots more to talk about. When we get back, we'll be joined by uh, Stephen Moore from the Heritage Foundation talking about America's $100 billion climate fraud. It's your money. You might want to pay attention. A collection of question marks. A lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Stephen Moore is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation and an economist with Freedom Works. He's also one of the founding uh, members of the Club for Growth. His uh, latest book, Govzilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy. He had an article yesterday, Stephen did, in the Daily Caller entitled America's $100 Billion Climate Fraud. He joins us now. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. And a great article, interesting article, although it is uh, somewhat uh, <laughs> disappointing that we have uh, spent $100 billion, according to your article, and come up with uh, one of the dirtiest climates uh, ever in 2022. <laughs> well, good afternoon. Well, the good news is that our climate here in the United States and our pollution levels are as low as they've ever been in the history of the country. The problem is that another country that you can probably imagine who I'm talking about, which is China, that is emitting incredible amounts of pollution in there, you know, both real pollution, which is carbon monoxide and smog and uh, sulfur and lead. Uh, carbon dioxide isn't really a pollution. Nobody dies from t- carbon dioxide, but um, this is what we're, the climate ch- change alarmists are trying to, you know, eliminate uh, carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Well, they're not doing a very good job of it because in 2022, uh, the planetar- planetary um, emissions were the highest ever. So what happened in that $100 billion that we spent? It doesn't seem like it's having many effect. Well, you know, we have said for some time on this program what you just uh, uh, brought up, that is – the problem is China and India. We are pristine. Right. I, and, and your article says soon yes. India will surpass the United States. I was over in uh, India for a couple of weeks a few years back, and uh, India has surpassed the United States in pollution a long, long time ago. I mean, you could cut it with a knife. Yeah. But, um, That's right. I, I, the prob- I was talking about the, uh, the carbon emissions, but you're right. I mean, you know, the, and, and incidentally, I mean, this is an important point you're making. How do countries reduce their pollution levels? They get rich and they get and they invest in technology. I mean, the United States, the richer we become, the more we clean up our environment. So, you know, this is why free markets are so important, because we all know that free markets is the way that countries get rich. And then as they prosper and citizens have a higher income uh, living standard, they invest more in, you know, a reduction in pollution. Incidentally, I bet that if you went into an average uh, schoolhouse in just about any state, including in the Carolinas, and you ask kids, do you think that the air that we breathe and the water that we drink is 
cleaner or dirtier today than 50 or 100 years ago. I bet you 80% of the kids would say, oh, the air and the water were much cleaner back then than it is now, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we, the air is much, much cleaner than it was uh, a long time ago. So that nobody teaches that in the schools, but it happens to be true. So what is the motivation? I mean, your article points out that we have spent $100 billion on, on this climate fraud. And I'm old enough to remember the first time our national budget hit a billion dollars, and that was you know, unbelievable. <laughs> right. And now yeah. just in, in the matter of uh, I don't know how many years this has been, but 20 years, I think your article says, we spent $100 billion. What is the motivation? I mean, and, and what if, if this is climate fraud, which uh, obviously it is, it is. That means yeah. so, someone's got a con game going, and somebody is getting rich. And we see guys like Al Gore who have, uh, you know, have multiple right. uh, uh, ho large homes, flies around the world, and uh, you know, tells everybody yeah. else what to do, but he doesn't do it. Right. How are these people making money, and w what is the bottom line of their of their fraud game? So we have created. It's a great question. And what, what's happened over the last twenty five years is that we have created. A what I call a climate change industrial complex. So this is basically not, it's not about cleaning up the environment. Where do you, you know, you ask the question, where did the money go? I think you know where the money went. We all know where the money went. Yeah. It's lining the pockets of the Sierra Club and the solar panel company. This is, this is an industry that has been built, uh, around government subsidies and a, and a kind of alarmism that has everybody spooked that, you know, the world's going to you know, blow up in flames if we don't do anything, when in fact, you know, there's very little evidence of that. And the idea that somehow spending all this government money is going to change the temperature of the planet, I think most rational people would say that's idiotic. And yet that's what we keep doing. And the sad part of this story is, okay, so we flushed $100 billion down the drain and nothing came of it, right, except we lined the pockets of liberal special interest groups. Now, what you, you, would, you would think in a rational world we'd say, okay, that didn't work. And instead, Biden wants to spend another $300 billion. Yeah. <laughs> You'd cry if right? it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. Benny's with us. he got a question for you. Yeah, Stephen, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, up until this point, the United States is the most developed country, most, you know, the largest economic yep. power in the world. Yep. You know, yep. uh, United States doing things that other countries are not doing. Is this just a method to uh, redistribute wealth and income around the world uh, at the expense of the United States? Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're exactly right. This is all like when I first came to Washington, like 30, I've been in the swamp a long time, 30 years ago. It was all about this north side, that north versus south, that the countries in the north, like the United States and Europe, owe money to the southern countries because they're so poor. And that, what, what do you think this, this is? This is just part of that whole thing about, this is just a, um, a way of basically taking money from people in rich countries and, and giving it to, country, you know, the people in these poor countries. And by the way, it's not actually going to the people. It's going to corrupt, corrupt governments. But, you know, this is it's, it's very sinister, actually, that our school kids right now, as we're sitting here talking, are learning about this fraud of, oh, you know, my God, America is responsible for all the problems. We owe all these other countries problems. When, in fact, you know, what country in the world has given more money in charity to other countries. What what country, you know, saved Europe's butts 
twice in the 20th century. What country is always there to give the relief for earthquake victims and so on? So the idea that we're responsible, no, we're the savior of the rest of the world. Why is it everybody wants to come to the United States? I mean, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of this idea that by the left that we're a sinister country. And, and meanwhile, China is, la- you know, I, one thing I loved about Trump, and as you guys know, I worked for Donald Trump. As, I was proud to be one of the senior economic advisors. You know, Trump used to say the rest of the world is laughing behind our back. And they are. Yeah. It's yeah. like we have a kidney sign on our back. Yep. And, and the left plays right into that. Yep. We're talking to Stephen Moore, who is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. His recent article, $100 billion climate fraud, America's uh, climate fraud. He's also the author of the book, Godzilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy. The the bigger picture uh, that this is a part of is our, 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 our debt, that it just grows larger and larger and larger. Um, and it, we were talking before we went on the air. It, it mm-hmm. seems like whether you're Republican or a Democrat, there's a few people that will talk about it, but nobody seriously does anything about it. Are, are we, are we just going to continue down this path until there is a, another 1929? Uh, good question. I mean, I do think that if we keep the, on the path that we're on, that we will we will see a financial crisis. Now, whether that comes in three months or six months or a year or two or three years from now, I don't know when it's going to happen. If I did know when it was going to happen, I could be very rich. But it will happen <laughs> if we don't do something about this, right? And, you know, the Republicans, uh, and that, you're right, both parties are responsible for this. When I first came to the Washington, the debt was $1.5 trillion, and now it's $31.5 trillion. So, uh it's happened under Republican and Democratic administrations. It's yet, but I do think that, you know, Kevin McCarthy is right. We cannot, we, we, you don't give, Joe Biden is basically saying, give me an unlimited credit card. Let me borrow every penny that I want to. Right. Well, he's, do you know, already added $7 trillion to the debt in two years? Hmm. Seven trillion. That's seven comma zero 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 comma zero 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 comma zero 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 comma zero zero zero. So basically, a thirty percent increase. A thirty percent increase. Yeah. Yeah. In two years. Yeah. In two years. I mean, can you imagine? You know, if we do this for another two years, and God forbid, if we did this for another four years after that, I mean, we are going to bankrupt our country. And I, I believe, for all the talk about, you know, look, of course, we, we, there are other things that matter in this country, but the greatest threat to our country, both in terms of our economy and our national security, in my opinion, is this $31 trillion debt that is headed to $50 trillion. Well, are we still borrowing from China? Is that where it's coming from? Of course. So, well, so China just has to foreclose, foreclose <laughs> then, right? Uh, they don't have to attack us. They just can foreclose. Well, we can, you know, I actually think, you know, since they own so much of our debt, we should charge them a trillion dollars for COVID. Yeah, you know that. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm totally yeah, serious. No. I mean, look, they, this is reparations payments for what they did to the world. I mean, we now know that. Remember when Trump was elected and he, I mean, was president and he said this is the Wuhan virus. And oh yeah. The media, oh my God, he's a racist. He yep. hates Chinese people. Well, yep. guess what? Now we know it, it is the Wuhan virus, and it was. Well, I don't know if it was intentional, but it was either incompetence or intentional from the Chinese and. You know, if we want to compete with China, we better get our financial house in order. So that's my <laughs> bottom line on this. And, and uh, you can tell I feel pretty pretty strongly about, uh, about you know, the situation we're in right now and the fact that um, 
we we better get the economy growing. We've got to bring jobs to the United States. And by the way, why are we we could be producing two hundred billion dollars a year more oil, gas, and coal Bingo. in this country uh, if we were just producing it? And Biden says no. So yeah. anyway, guys, I got to run. But thank you so much for having me and spreading this important message. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, the climate it's a climate change fraud. Stephen Moore, thank you. I, we need to get you back just so we can talk about who you Let's think uh, is is the uh, next next uh, nominee for the Republican Party. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. Hey, stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. I'm always reluctant after being here 37 years to tell people what the American people think. Uh, And I don't. I can't swear I do. I know what I think. I think I know what they think, but I'm not sure what they think. This is Eastern Carolina News and Views. Welcome back in. It is uh, pleasant, but cool weather-wise. Tonight, a clear sky, low of 34. Tomorrow, Thursday, sunny along with a few afternoon clouds. Now to get up to 60, and then tomorrow night, a low of 40. Friday, the rain comes back in. Showers likely a high of 54. Chance of rain on Friday is 60%. Kind of seasonal. Yeah. We were spoiled. For the last couple of weeks, we've been spoiled, and uh, I liked it, and I'm not liking the uh, 50s as much as I like the 70s, but uh, all in all, not too bad. So returning once again, I talked about this yesterday quite a bit, the Tucker Carlson release of these tapes. And uh, Tom Tillis saying it was all a bunch of BS. Uh, a lot of the Republican uh, folks, uh, the, the, the rhinos, the establishment uh, folks, they don't want to come out and totally um, throw Tucker Carlson under the bus and say it's all fraud. But, it, well, that's basically what Tillis did. And they're coming pretty close to doing that, including Mitch McConnell. Um Daily Caller editor, and uh, he also hosts a radio program on WMAL in uh, Washington, Vince Coglianis, Coglianis became uh, rather animated over this, um, not over the the video and Tucker Carlson releasing the video, but he, he became rather animated on the rhino's response, and for that matter, the Democrat response. He says, it's just amazing to listen to all these people try and lecture Tucker Carlson about propagandizing the public, lying to them about events we can see with our own eyes. Really? This is the same crowd that lied to us about the Trump-Russia collusion, the same crowd that lied to us about the origins of COVID and the involvement of the lab leak. Uh, They lied to us about uh, ivermectin. They said we were taking horse medicine. This is the media that did this as well. Uh, we weren't taking worse medicine. We were taking medicine prescribed by a doctor. They lied about Jacob Blake. They lied about Michael Brown. They lied about Jesse Smollick, Nick Sandman. They lied about Kyle Rittenhouse. They lied about the, most, the, the peaceful protest. They've lied and lied and lied, and then they stand up and say, don't listen to this guy. He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great point. Uh, this... How can you listen to these people who have been caught in all these lies, and yet they want to point the finger at uh, Tucker Carlson? Yeah, and I'll just say to Tom Tillis and anyone else, uh, I mean, Tom Tillis sounded much like Chuck Schumer, you know, 
And Tom Tillis is supposed to be a Republican. At least I voted for him as a Republican anyway. But And I don't watch Tucker Carlson much, but I did watch it last night and the night before because I heard this was going to be on. But to hear Chuck Schumer, Tom Tillis, Mitt Romney, and all the others that talk about uh, Tucker Carlson did not indicate at all like this was something peaceful that went on. I mean, right. no, some of the, he, he, some that's of what I said yesterday. He, he came out and, and pointed out the warts. Yeah, it. and some of the tapes that they showed, some of the tapes he showed, I mean, you saw people, you know, busting glasses, Knocking destroying things, and those people ought to be, well, quite frankly, ought to have the hell beat out of them. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, but. But Benny Hardy for sheriff. But my campaign ad. <laughs> but my question is why Tom Tillis and anyone else said this. Why didn't you say so much and why didn't you say call BS on the January sixth committee yes. when they were not releasing these tapes when they took editorialized tapes right. by TV producers? Oh yeah, they, they hired they hired somebody hired from ABC TV Good Morning America to edit to just absolutely make a movie well, orchestrate the whole thing to orchestrate their narrative. And you were quiet about it. I mean, this is why people in America are frustrated with people like Tom Tillis and others. That when once they get to Washington, they talk a big game when they're down in, their, in the states. But when they get to Washington, they just sit there and and do nothing. And I argue people like Mitt Romney, Tom Tillis, Richard Burr, uh, Mitch McConnell. I argue that they are more dangerous to America and the future of America than these far-left crazies. Because these far-left crazies... They're crazy. They, they we know a, it. They're they recognized make a, crazy. a lot of noise, but they don't have much power. I mean, nobody listens to them. But people that go up there and do nothing and, and people in, back in the name home, of In the name of the conservative cause. Name of the conservative cause. Name of the Constitution. And we just sit back at home and say, well, you know what? They're good men. Screw that. They're not good men. <laughs> They are not good men if they're not going to go up there and do what they're supposed to do. See, this is the problem with Benny. He sugarcoats his feelings. I'm sorry. If you would just come out and tell us like you feel it. Listen, um, so one of the big issues, and he mentioned this the first night. I didn't get I, – I was with grandkids last night, so I haven't seen last night. I've got it taped. I haven't seen last night's uh, set of videos. I will look at it as soon as I can. But um, – one of the things that he came out the first night, and he talked about the fact that Officer Brian Sicknick was not killed by the protesters. In fact, no police officers were killed during the January 6th events. And, and not the, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Attorney General of the I've United States... I've got the audio oh, right I'm here. Sorry. I'm sorry. This, this is, no, that's good. It's a good segue. This is Attorney General Merrick Garland from yesterday. Listen to what he says. Now, again, no police officers were killed. Brian Sicknick, they had video of him walking around the Capitol supposedly after he was dead. And this is what Merrick Garland said yesterday. So I, I don't want to comment on any particular reports. I think all Americans saw what happened on January 6th, and most of, it saw, most of, it saw, of us saw it as it was happening. It was a violent attack on a fundamental tenet of American democracy that power is peacefully transferred from one administration to another. Uh, um, over a hundred officers were assaulted on that day. Five officers died. Uh, we have charged more than a thousand people um, with their uh, crimes on that day, and more than 500 have already been convicted. I think it's very clear what happened on January 6th. Five officers died that day. That's unbelievable. And this is the this is the head guy of law enforcement. Well, you know the thing about it is, uh, I mean, he he he's he's crafty and he's careful. 
Did you he, say crafty? Yeah. I okay. Mean, I, I thought maybe you had no, no, he pee just, in there. You no, know, he just <laughs> says five officers died. Okay. Died of yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, died of yeah, what? Yeah. I mean, he's... Well, the, the clear, the clear insinuation, it's more than insinuation. The clear fact is he was he was saying five officers died at the hands of the protesters on January 6th. you got to put it in context. Yeah, he's a liar. Now, li- I'm sure you're a, right. I'm sure that's his out. He's a liar. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, think about it. Our attorney general is... is it ju- it's well, just, how many other liars? He's are a up top there? officer in the United States government, yeah. the fo- top law enforcement officer, and he is part of this whole big scam. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's a lot of things that went on there that shouldn't happen, but it, the way they're framing it, the way they're framing it from day one, um, I mean, it just tells me it, it, it's the, the the American people has have been hoaxed by the government, and I think by people on both sides, Republican and Democrat. The um, interesting uh, aspect from last night's uh, Tucker Carlson program was the fact that he had a fired police officer on with him, a guy named uh, Tarek Johnson. And uh, he actually said that as the event was unfolding, he could not bring up anybody on his radio. He, was, he had, a, he had a, basically a clear path to evacuate uh, Senate chambers, and he was going to escort senators out. Mm -hmm. He kept going on his radio, and he couldn't get any of the authorities that would give him permission to go ahead and evacuate. He couldn't bring them up on the radio. There was silence. And this is is the ongoing uh, narrative of this story, is the malfeasance of leadership that wouldn't stand up and call in Nancy Pelosi being one of the chief culprits, guilty culprits, not calling in the National Guard as as the as Donald Trump had suggested, as the Capitol Police had suggested. Nope, not going to do it. And uh, now this individual comes forward and says that just dead silence. Mm-hmm. Now, was it deliberate? I, I think for Nancy Pelosi's part, obviously it was deliberate, but uh, or, or or is it malfeasance? Uh, you know, it, to me, it seems to me, you know, all of a sudden we we can't hear from these people like you know Ray Epps. Uh, yeah. You know, Ray Epps is the guy that's been seen on videotape over and over again, over and over and over again, which they did not show at the January 6 hearings of him trying to incite people, basically saying to go over there and riot. Yeah. And now all of a sudden this guy can't be found or he's not charged. There's others that were at once on the uh, FBI's top 10 wanted list for their participation there that were never charged and now never hear, hear from them right. again. So, and again, I, I mean, you just heard Merrick Garland say that they've arrested a thousand. Yeah. And yet, Ray Epps is not one of them. And when asked, when when Merrick Garland was asked, when um, the head of the FBI was asked, you know, why isn't Ray Epps being charged? Why hasn't he been arrested? Oh, it's an ongoing investigation. We can't comment. Yeah, and there's even video from that day uh, of those events outside of the Capitol that private people, you know, uploaded to YouTube and other places that showed that yes. clearly the Capitol Police, um, and somehow they participated in allowing protesters to get closed, bus load. Now, you can't find them now. I've tried. that They're completely whitewashed. So, um, you know, there again, big tech is involved as well. 
Hey, we've got to take another time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. News and views for a Wednesday continues right after this. Back to the show. It really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Interesting story out of the Hill. Before the break, we were talking about the January 6th uh, video clips that Tucker Carlson has been uh, playing on his <coughs> program. Uh, this story in the Hill talking about the fact that Fox News is currently being sued by Dominion Voting Systems. They're suing Fox News because certain people, certain programs have been all over Dominion Voting Systems' case saying that their systems are fraudulent, they, they are easy, easily manipulated, that people went in and changed vote counts, et cetera, et cetera. So they are suing Fox News. Well, as a part of the Fox News defense, there were certain uh, text messages that were sent from Tucker Carlson to another member of the some, – somebody else that worked in Fox News, an unidentified individual employee. And I, I guess they're trying to prove the fact that, now listen, we were all not in the tank for Donald Trump necessarily. We, you know, what we were reporting was what we thought were the facts. To prove the point, they have a text here from Tucker Carlson that a lot of people will probably find surprising, especially in light of the last couple of programs he's featured with the January 6th deal. Because basically, if January 6th is uh, proven to be a fraud, you know, the, the narrative we have heard from the January 6th committee is proven to be a fraud, Basically, the January 6th committee was put together to get rid of Donald Trump. I mean, that was one of the main objectives is let's make sure Trump can't ever run again. If the January 6th committee is proven to be fraudulent, then that narrative disappears. But this text message from Tucker Carlson, a lot of people think, well, he's in the tank for Donald Trump because he's releasing these videos. Here's what he said. We are very, very close to being able to ignore Donald Trump on most nights, I truly can't wait, he wrote in one text to an unidentified Fox employee on January 4th, 2021. That would be two days before the uh, January 6th event. He went on to say, quote, I hate him passionately. I blew up Peter um, Navarra today in frustration. I actually like Peter, but I can't handle much more of this, end quote. Uh, not exactly what you would uh, say is uh, a quotation. Now, I, I don't know if he has mellowed since January 4th, 2021. My hunch is he hasn't, that he probably <laughs> would not be a Trump supporter uh, if it happened today. But, but quite frankly, that's uh, rather interesting that Tucker Carlson, I mean, it's going to be hard for people now to accuse him of merely being in the tank for Donald Trump, uh, and that's why he's releasing these videos. Yeah, and when I hear people say that about uh, Tucker Carlson, when I when I do watch Fox News, it's typically to watch Tucker if he's got a yeah. got a good topic or a good guest. But I don't watch him all that often. But but I'll hear people on the left, and I I mean I even got friends talk about I, I just can't stand Tucker Carlson. And when you drill down. It's obviously they've never once listened to them. Same reason people <laughs> used to hate uh, Rush Limbaugh, mm -hmm. because they're parroting what somebody else heard. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. parroting mainstream media. Too lazy to do their own homework, that's yeah. what I say. Uh, last story out of Just the News. Talk about chutzpah. 
And uh, what's interesting about this is these people call themselves public servants. The Fairfax County Board of Supervisors yesterday voted to move forward with consideration of a proposal to give themselves salary increases of up to 45%. Now, listen, I understand, for example, the people that serve in the state legislature in North Carolina they don't do it for the money. Heck no. That's pretty obvious. They make about 10 cents an hour. And so if that's the case, okay, 45% doesn't seem that huge. But uh, in this case, and, and again, this is, this is a part-time job for these people. This is not a full-time job. Right now, in Fairfax County, these members of the Board of Supervisors are making $90,000 a year and with this increase, their, ra- their raise will take them to 125000 to 130000 The board's chairman, a guy named Jeff McKay, is currently paid 100000 He would uh, jump to somewhere near 140000 to 150000 uh, mm. These are the public servants of Fairfax County. Yeah, and Lo- loose on the public servants. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Rather loose. And, and again, this this is not exactly an area that is, is really running well. Now, part of it is because they're basically Washington, D.C., but uh, th- this is this is mind-boggling. According to a local news outlet, WJLA, major crime incidents are increasing in the county uh, up big time. For over 20 years, they've been raising real estate taxes three times faster than homeowners' income, said Arthur Perverse. Um, so while the uh, basically they're getting a 45 percent increase and uh, taxes, no, they're not going down. They're going up big time. Crime, it's going up big time. But hey, you know what? We're in charge. We can vote ourselves a raise. Thank you, public servants. Yeah, that's what happens when they control the purse strings and and get in and uh, not. There's no safeguards or anything in place yeah. to prevent it. Uh, remember, uh, all politics is local. Uh, make sure you got the right board of supervisors, the right county commissioners, the right city council, and the right school board members. Hey, real quick reminder, we're going to be off tomorrow for Duke basketball. I've got to be off Friday for a funeral. We'll see you next Monday. Bye-bye, everybody.